0: Welcome back to Spectrum Sundays, where we introduce professionals and self-advocates who play an important role in the autism community. And this
1: week, we are very excited to welcome back to our series, Jesse Ginsberg, who is a fellow autism advocate and a very accomplished speech-language pathologist. Thank you so much for visiting with us again today. Thank you. I appreciate it. (laughs) so we would love for our viewers to get to know you and what makes you a little bit more what are some of your hobbies or interests outside of your work as an SLP
2: so it's funny and I think a lot of SLPs are like this where your job is just your life and you're thinking about it all the time Um, but you know as a business owner that takes up a huge part of my life whether I'm at the office or not so I do have two little boys who are two and four. So when I'm not here, I am with them doing whatever it takes to entertain them. And in the COVID times, it's taking a lot of toys home from my office and taking our sensory gym equipment home to create obstacle courses and things like that. But um, yeah, I think just overall, what keeps me sane probably is Reading, which was something I got into a lot more this year. And have you two, either of you seen the documentary on Netflix? It's called Inside Bill's Brain.
0: No. no, I haven't.
2: Need to watch it. So it's about Bill Gates. And I watched it and it was just this turning point in my life last year where he talks about or his assistant says that when he goes on vacation, he brings 15 books with him and um that he understands that time is finite and it's the only resource you can't buy more of so that meant so much to me because I sat around going oh my god how many hours a week do I spend watching reality tv and Bill Gates is out there look at all the incredible (laughs) things he's doing and he's reading 15 books when he goes on a vacation um and that really inspired me to change and as you know, there are books about everything. So I love reading about like mindset and um, business development
0: and health and things like that. Right. And actually that's perfect because um, I wanted to discuss maybe some of the resources that you really love to follow and to read and watch. I know during this time of COVID, there's been more SLP resources popping up, especially on Instagram, uh, blogs and accounts who are really passionate about different specialties within the field. So I was wondering what you could share with us.
2: Yeah, it's funny because one of my favorite things to do is buy books that are unrelated to what we do and then kind of translate into how they affect what we do. So for instance, with me working with autism, I love reading books about like motivation and drive and things like that that are written about, you know, students or children or adults even, and their motivation, and then translate that over to, now, how is this the same with our autistic clients and their motivation and drive? Um, So that's, for some reason, really fun for me to do. But um, I think also starting to follow more of the you know, autistic voices that are ready to be heard is something that I love doing. So Rachel Dorsey, who you guys have mentioned before, we recorded an ASHA Voices podcast together. She's an autistic SLP and she has a blog and she just puts out very real information that I feel like every SLP should read.
1: Absolutely. And that's even beneficial if you're not if someone's watching and they're not involved in the speech and language and hearing field for that matter, it's, it's so important to hear it directly from the people that experience autism. So if anyone's open to that, please give some of those books and podcasts and Instagrams a follow because we certainly want to hear what they have to say. So we mentioned a little bit about ASHA, which is the American Speech Language and Hearing Association but you are also a board member of the California Speech Language Hearing Association. So could you tell us a little bit about the role that you play on that board and what that looks like?
2: Yes, so in, within CASHA, there are 10 districts. So in California, we're divided into 10 districts. So I am the director of one of those 10 and it's, it's really fun, um, I joined CASHA after I opened my practice really just to meet people because when you're in private practice, it can feel very isolating and scary. And um, now it's different because now I've developed relationships with lots of other private practice owners in the area, but when you first open, you feel really nervous about um, talking to people who you might consider your competition, which it's obviously not like that at all. We're constantly referring to each other. But I joined Kasha really just to meet people and obviously Kasha does a lot of amazing behind the scenes advocating for all of the SLPs and audiologists um, at our state level and a lot more than people realize they're responsible for a lot more than people realize lots of really awesome continuing ed opportunities but yeah I think the best part of being involved is just that when you actually go to events You start to feel like this world isn't so small, you know. You start to feel like you know you're seeing people you know, and you're the same people everywhere. So yeah, it's been it's been really fun. And I don't know if you guys are involved with NISLA, but that was always a really big part of what I did. So when I was in grad school, I was the NISLA president. So I was kind of just like dying to get back out there and do something similar. Right, and of course this year,
1: everything's kind of up in the air with conventions and everything. So we'll be trying to keep that on our radar to see how we can tune in virtually.
0: (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Um, I think something that you alluded to, but didn't explicitly say is that collaboration is key. And I think even collaboration over competition is even more important, having that concept of how can we help each other to reach the greater goal? And I think Megan and I both use that concept as we compete for our state titles of Miss New York and Miss Pennsylvania, but also within our profession. Um, so what advice could you share for new professionals edu- uh, entering the education field or uh, therapy fields?
2: Yeah, so with that, you know, we've talked about this off recording, but I just feel like this, we need to adopt more of an abundance mindset. Um, you know, when we're working, there are tons of kids that need to be serviced. We don't need to um, think that we need to take them all. And also we're going to better serve our populations by trying to, you know, learn a s- specific information about a specific type of child or client that we can. So um, I think you know, for people who are just graduating, a lot of people accept jobs because they just think like, oh, I'm just going to do this for now, for whatever reason that might be. They're giving me a bonus. I'll take the job, right? But I think that what I learned is that you can't, it's, it's so important to obviously follow your passion, but not to sound so cliche, but you really wanna do something that you love every single day. And you're never it's never too early to start finding those areas that really light you up. So our field is so diverse and there's so much you can do. And if you're able to narrow down what you really love and really dive deep into learning more and educating yourself, you're gonna not only be able to help your clients so much more, but you're gonna feel so much confident more confident in what you're doing and um, become more known for that specialty area. So I think, you know, don't be afraid of niching down or following
0: that passion area. I love that message because that is how I was introduced into the field is following my passions. And it um, was, was until later on in my college career that speech language pathology was introduced to me by Um, Music teacher, and she was like, Hey, you know, I think there's people who treat voices in a more medical setting. And I was like, Oh, wow, that's so cool. So, um, I I don't think it's ever too late to start following your passions. Yeah, kind
1: of going off of that, we know that you have your own private practice under your belt right now, but do you have any long term career or life goals
2: past that, or
1: what do you hope, hope that that blossoms into?
2: Yeah, I love my practice so much just because of the the people and everyone's so incredible. Um, so yeah, I never dreamt of like having a million speech clinics. That was never what I wanted. I just wanted to have one that was strong and you know successful and where everyone got along, and and whatnot. So I love the clinic now and and everything that we're doing here. Um, But yeah, I would just love to continue more with training therapists and working with autistic children. Um, I've gotten some really cool speaking opportunities in the last year that I did not expect, but things that came about from just writing um, articles and things like that. And that's what I love to do. So I think that's another piece of advice is spend time actually doing the things that are going to move you forward in the direction that you want in your life, you know? So if you are trying to get out there and do more speaking, then what is the thing that you could be doing now that is going to get you there? So for me, it's dedicating at least one day a week to writing or, you know, creating content or creating new trainings. And a lot of the reading that I do, um, contributes to what I write. So you have to make time for those things.
1: Right. And it's a little bit too about a leap of faith. So you never really know what your passion is until you kind of dive deep into it and you start to explore
0: it. I love that so much. And going back to the concept of autism and what we're really promoting here on our I was about to say channel, but in our series, is um, education and awareness and how to understand different perspectives, especially about autism. And we believe that one of the most important parts of building a stronger community is to embrace the diversity and and embrace those different opinions uh, and doing that through acceptance. So if you could give any advice to our viewers um, on how to practice acceptance in their daily lives, uh, what would that be or look like?
2: Yeah, it's funny because I think acceptance is one of those things that maybe we never fully master, you know, and you take it, think about yourself, you know, do you accept your you for who you are? And most of us would have parts of us that we love, but parts of us that maybe we're still working on, you know, so I think it's okay to understand that we are satisfied with our efforts or what we're doing in certain aspects of our life, but then we know that we're still willing and able to improve in other ways. So, um, you know, what we talked about last time, for instance, was using a strengths-based approach when talking about autism. So I think that just the use of the language that we're we're showing to parents and how we're describing kids, that can make a huge difference in parents' willingness to accept their kids for who they are. So it all starts with us, you know, we um, need to set, be a role model for parents and be able to embrace the kids we're working with for who they are and show parents how to do the same. Right, and speaking of parents and just the family
1: dynamic in general, I think Francesca and I have encountered a lot of different situations where unfortunately there hasn't been enough easily accessible autism resources in the community for parents and probably more specifically those who are just receiving a diagnosis and have this abundance of information but really don't know where to go or how to easily access it and then throw in COVID and it just has this whole other layer of things. So um, do you have any autism resources or advice for how families can seek
2: those resources in their own communities? Yeah I think you know, I don't have all the answers. You were definitely right. There's a lot of work that needs to be done in this area and helping parents know what's available to them, the resources that are available to them. A lot of them don't. But I do think that we're fortunate in this day and age with social media and everything that's online. There's so much. And I think some of the best resources that parents can find are actually through Facebook groups and things like that, where it's other families or autistic people sharing information. So I think um, that is a way for parents to get great resources from people that they can also build relationships with and trust, you know, if they know them or get to know them.
1: Right. And is there any particular hashtag or anything that you've noticed kind of trending or something that they might be able to easily search? I
2: wish I had the answer to this, (laughs) Um, I don't. I think there are some really great, I spend more time I would say on Facebook than Instagram, but I see there are some really great Facebook groups um, for people who are autistic or um, to support the autistic community.
0: That's great, thank you so much. Yeah, and in our first episode, we talked about misconceptions and stereotypes. Um, so do you think that some of your ideas about those misconceptions have changed since you first started working with the autism community until now?
2: Oh, all of them,
0: (laughs) I feel (laughs) like, um, and I
2: think that's okay. And that's what, that's typical of what happens, um, when we immerse ourselves in a certain community. So, yeah, I think that we just can't rely on other people to help us figure that out that's something that we need to be responsible for ourselves and doing our own research Um, because you really don't know you know so our last episode for instance we talked about person first versus identity first language and I did a whole Facebook training on it and then a a girl posted in our Facebook group um, using person first language and all of these people were automatically commenting on it, you know, and then she sent me a message and said, wow, I had no idea this was a thing. This is the first I'm hearing about it. Um, And I think that's just the case for a lot of of SLPs. And she said, I've been working with autism for 10 years, and this is the first I'm hearing about it. You know, so I think there's a lot we can be constantly doing to expand our knowledge base and realizing that when we are spending time it doesn't have to be some kind of extrinsic motivator. It doesn't have to be that we're reading because we need CEUs. It can be we're reading because we're trying to better how we do therapy and help our families in a stronger way. Right. I like to think of just the process of growing as a
1: human it's a metamorphosis of changes over your lifetime. What you believed five years ago isn't going to be what you believe in five or 10 years down the road. And I also feel that, you know, the autism community is continuously changing as well. And as long as we adopt a progressive mindset and we're at least open to hearing all different kinds of ideas, then that really helps us become the professionals that we hope to be and the healthcare providers and, Those advocates that they really need. Um, So with so many people worried about what's going to happen in this next year, we like to focus on some of the positive things and some of the more hopeful things during this kind of uncertain time. So what is something just fun that you're looking forward to or that you're thankful for in this coming year?
2: Oh my gosh, so much. I, um, I feel like I I try to be a pretty optimistic person. So even in the midst of all this craziness, um, you know, I've been keeping my head up, but yeah, it's so much, um, you know, one is continuing with all of these trainings, but two is I am just about to launch a membership community, which is for all the therapists who have gone through my course. So in that community, they'll get continuous trainings and coaching from me. So I'm really excited to kind of take that to the next level and next venture. And um,
0: it's always fun to do new things. So Yeah, and something that we actually haven't covered at all is that Pediatric Therapy Playhouse just recently made Expertise, Expertise's list of best speech pathologists in Los Angeles. So could you explain, like, how that has been like for you?
2: Thank you. Yeah, this is actually um, the fifth year in a row we've gotten that award. Um, They, yeah, I I honestly don't even know. They give you a whole criteria of what it's based on, but they say, like, out of, like, a thousand speech therapy clinics, they choose 20 to give that title to. Um, But... Yeah, I think what what I love about our clinic is that every therapist has a specialty area. So it's really scary when you start out in private practice, you feel like you need to treat everyone who comes in for any reason. Because you're like, I gotta make money, I have overhead, I need to see this client. But then you don't feel that confident in what you're doing because you're treating so many types of of people or, or kids if you're specializing in kids. So in our office, you know, we have someone who specializes in early intervention and someone who specializes in stuttering and someone who specializes in neuro and and autism. And, you know, it's just really nice to be able to uh, feel really confident when we bring new families in that we know that child is in good hands because they're with someone who loves, you know whatever it is that they're going to be working on. Well, congratulations. That's such an accomplishment.
1: And Thank I'm you. sure that you're so proud. Um, we can't wait to continue watching what develops. And we only wish that we could be out there in California soaking up
2: all the LA sun <laughs> where I you know are. All the 100 degree weather today in <laughs> October.
0: <laughs> I'll take it. I'll definitely take it every day of the year.
1: Yeah, especially in mid-December, February, March, I would gladly take LA weather. <laughs> Well, we have certainly gathered that you are pretty busy and you're probably always on the go. We touched on it a little bit earlier about doing some self-care and just taking care of yourself and even accepting yourself in some of the things that you might see as flaws, accepting those for you know, beautiful attributes to your personality. Um, so what are some ways that you manage your busy schedule and also how you practice
2: self-care? It's an ongoing battle (laughs) Uh, when you are a business owner with children. But um, one thing I started doing in the last year, which made this huge difference for me, um, I heard a podcast interview. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the podcast, Jay Shetty On Purpose. Yeah. So great podcast. So he interviewed an author, Robin Sharma. And the author talked about this methodology he teaches people or his clients, which is, first of all, it's called the 5 a.m. club, which means, yes, getting up at five. And then he has this 20-20-20 formula. So it's you wake up, you exercise for 20 minutes, you either meditate or you visualize reflect for 20 minutes and then you spend 20 minutes learning whether that's reading or listening to a podcast or anything so for me you know um most of my mornings were me being woken up by my kids screaming or escaping from their room or climbing out of their crib and jumping on me so then i kind of wake up and i feel like i'm just thrown into the day with no mental preparation so now I make sure to set my alarm earlier that I know they're going to wake up. And I wake up and I do that 20, 20, 20. And that's kind of my time. Um, And just by the end of the, you already feel like you've accomplished so much in the first hour of your day because so many people, you don't get the chance to even do those three things every day. So just getting to do those um, really, really helps. And then when it comes to work, I always make sure that, I plan what my day is going to look like before I, I start because there's nothing worse than looking back on the day and wondering where it went. So I try to make everything I do very intentional, whether it's spending time on social media or, or writing or client phone calls, whatever it is, you know, as long as you're being intentional with your time, you can't feel like the time got away from you. Well, thank you but again, just try it, 5 a.m.? Yes.
1: you know I have 7 (laughs) a.m. um before this semester started I was consistently waking up for about two weeks um at 5 a.m. and it's just so crazy with grad school but we can sit here and make excuses all day long Mm -hmm. for why we do or do not do things so I
2: love the idea of what's way more important than that is getting eight hours of sleep so if you want a good read there's a book called why we sleep and um so once I read that, I realized that, you know, I needed to get eight hours from the time I went to bed, but that just forces you to go to bed earlier. But I know in school, it's almost impossible here. You're, <laughs> you're working. On you're your kind practice. of at the
1: mercy of all other things <laughs> yeah. in school, but it is important to really take that time. So I've definitely gotten plenty of book and podcast recommendations for you, from you. So thank you <laughs> for that. But thank you also for visiting with us. We really appreciated your conversation and we wish you the best of luck in your
2: private practice as it continues to grow. Thank you so much. And good luck with your continued interviews and everything you guys are doing. Thank you. Well, thank
1: you everyone for watching. We will see you next week on Spectrum Sundays.